Last week, for those of you who were here, and indeed for those of you who weren't, Olivia introduced us to the season of Epiphany. Uh, those who have not met Olivia before, actually, she's training to be a vicar in the Church of England. Uh, so it's great to have her with us uh, for the next few years as she does that. Um, as she preached as part of her training, a number of people were asked to evaluate her sermon for her, something that she has to hand in as part of her course. Uh, a lesson to me, really, that shows that uh, no matter what we prepare and what we deliver, uh, that people hear all sorts of different things when we preach. And that's absolutely right, um, because the Holy Spirit will speak uh, to each of us in a different way, despite even what uh, we have prepared and what we say through our preaching. But the season of Epiphany, as Olivia introduces to, continues this week. And I think the season of Epiphany is one of great joy that continues the joy of the Christmas celebrations. At Christmas, Jesus is revealed to the world. In Epiphany, we have that, the stories of the continuing revelation of Jesus to the world. So last week, the three wise men brought us partly a message uh, that all are included if they want to be in the message of Jesus. They came from a far, far off land that had never heard really uh, of the Jewish people. And they came to worship uh, the Messiah of the Jewish people. This week, we've got the baptism where Jesus is revealed on, publicly onto the stage in his ministry. Next week, we'll have Jesus' first miracle, the wedding at Cana in Galilee, when he turns water into wine. And then Jesus in the temple, uh, proclaiming his message that he's brought good news to the poor. Um, and then in February, at the beginning of February, we'll have the uh, celebration of Candlemas when Jesus is taken as a baby into the temple by his parents. So chronologically, it's very flitty. We're going from different parts of Jesus' ministry to the birth of Jesus, uh, to his baptism at the River Jordan, uh, to his, to his first, uh, his first uh, miracle. Um, but I hope there's some logic uh, to the way that the stories unfold, even if the chronology is a little bit flitty over the next few weeks. So today in this, uh, the passages that we've had, I think we're being asked a question. I think we're being asked a question, who is in, who are the insiders, and who is out? Who are the outsiders of God's kingdom? I think Isaiah's passage hints at that. I think the Acts passage wrestles with it. And I think John, uh, in, in Luke's reading of the baptism of Jesus, gives us an inv invitation to join in with the kingdom of God. Before we get on to that, I'd just like to say I hope you got over Christmas the opportunity um, to watch some of the offerings that were on TV, some time to relax and watch some of the TV that um, was on offer. Those of you who've been coming for a while at church will know that I'm a big fan of Star Wars and uh, it was a bumper harvest over Christmas. There was almost never a time uh, over Christmas when Star Wars wasn't on at some channel or another. That might have been frustrating for some of you, uh, but a joy for me. And it's typical Star Wars of many films, isn't it? We know clearly who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Who is in, who are the insiders, and who is out. Basically, if you wear a mask, uh, you're on the outside. If you don't and you're a good guy uh, and you're fighting those that are wearing a mask, uh, then you're um, a good guy. Which is uh, That's a, a kind of hodgepodge, quick uh, definition of what Star Wars is all about. But we know clearly who is in and who is out. But in our readings today, there seems some confusion about who the insiders are and who the outsiders are. So our passage from Isaiah is supposed to be a, a passage of comfort, where God promises that he will gather his people from the far ends of the earth and protect them. 
Those who feel like they've been on the outside, because the, this is spoken to a nation who are in exile in Babylon, they feel like they're on the outside of God's grace and God's kingdom. God's promise in Isaiah is that they will be brought back in, that their exile, their time of exile will finish. But also, as prophecy, Isaiah's words don't just have meaning for those people to whom it was originally spoken, they have meaning beyond their original hearers. And that has something to say to us now, and I hope in the future as well, that we can be part of those who are brought back in from the outside. It's in the New Testament we see how God goes about gathering us back into his kingdom in Jesus at the start of his ministry as he's baptised and through the work of the Holy Spirit beyond the resurrection in Acts. God gathers not just his people Israel, but he gathers all his people who are willing to sign up to his kingdom. And the sign of that inclusion, as we see in Jesus this morning, is baptism. And the seal of that inclusion is the gift of the Holy Spirit, as we see in Acts. So in the Gospel reading that we had from Luke's Gospel, we're dealing for the second time in just a few short weeks with John the Baptist. And today we hear more of his message. John the Baptist was part of one of the Advent candles that we lit, and uh, it was one of the features of our services in the run-up to Christmas. And here we hear the rest of that story that we heard uh, just before Christmas. John says he baptises with water, but one is coming who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. It's a message both of good news and of bad news. Good news for those who will receive it, bad news for those who won't. Uh, Just a quick story for you. Sally, who phoned her husband at work for a chat. I'm sorry, dear, he said, but I'm completely stacked out with work today. I don't have time to chat to you. Sally replied, yes, I'm just phoning with a quick message. I've got some good news for you and some bad news for you. Okay, he said, but could you just give me the good news right now? Okay, agreed Sally. Well, you'll be happy to know that the airbags in our car work perfectly well. You can guess what the bad news was. John's message is both good news and bad news. Good news for those who respond to his message, but those bad news for those who refuse to listen and rely on things other than Jesus. John says his winnowing fork is in his hand to gather the wheat and burn the chaff. His message is that some people are like wheat and some people are like chaff. Those that have wheat are those who have faith. And their faith is shown in their words and their deeds. Other people are like chaff. Chaff looks just like wheat. It grows alongside it. They're the same colour as wheat. But in the end, chaff is worthless. It can't do the job that wheat can because it doesn't contain the stuff that wheat does. It looks like wheat, but it isn't. And in the end, chaff is good for nothing except burning. And this is what John says. He says the work of Jesus is to sort out the spiritual chaff from the spiritual wheat. So it's good news for those who will accept his message and the gift of faith and the Holy Spirit which he offers. But bad news for those who will not. And we will see as the story of Luke unfolds. We're in year C in the lectionary this year which means that we'll focus heavily on Luke's gospel. And we'll see the story of Jesus unfold in Luke And his relationship with those who consider themselves as insiders, those Jewish authorities, the Pharisees, and those who are in political charge, gets worse and worse. 
And we all know ultimately where that ends up for Jesus. In fact, a key theme in Luke's gospel is that of outsiders being included in Jesus' kingdom. It's why at Christmas, that's where we find the story of the shepherds. Part of the message of the shepherds is that they are out on the hillside, worthless people in their day. And yet God sends his angels and includes them in his glorious story of telling the great news that Jesus has come to earth. It is those who consider themselves to be insiders who are in Luke's gospel, who are often surprised to find that they are not, they are on the outside. And though it's surprising for those who consider themselves on the outside, who Jesus includes in his new community, often getting himself into trouble, eating with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. King Herod is one of those who considers himself on the inside. He's already threatened by the arrival of this new king, driven by paranoia to the most horrendous act of slaughtering children. And he would have considered himself on the inside. But as we see in our reading today, John rebukes him. So Herod locks him up in prison, threatened, threatened as he is by a message which seems to put him on the outside. The question of who is in and who is out is also the theme of the reading, I think, in Acts that we heard. In Acts, the early church is learning and discovering what faith and life mean after the resurrection. It's written by the same author of the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke's kind of sequel, if you like, what happens post-resurrection. And in Acts, the church are discovering what it means uh, to live post-resurrection. To tell of the good news of Jesus and to see what his Holy Spirit will do. And they're finding, as they do that, that the gospel is being accepted by all sorts of other people. Surprising people. Not least, in our reading today, we hear those people in Samaria, the Samaritans. That reminds me of a story in Luke's gospel. The story of the good Samaritan. Jesus used that story to say something about his kingdom, didn't he? He used the story of the Good Samaritan to explain something about his kingdom. For those of us, for those of the the people who show fruit for the kingdom of God. And for those who heard that story, that story of the Good Samaritan, would have thought Jesus was insane. They would have thought it was ridiculous to say that a Samaritan could be a good person. Because they hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were very much cast outside. They were on the outside. They had lots and lots of prejudice around uh, the Samaritans. But Jesus uses it, that story, to point something out. He says, you're not known by just your title and your role. So the priest and the Levite walk by and they ignore the person that's been robbed and beaten. But the Samaritan comes along. A Samaritan of all people can come along and help somebody. And Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. You're not good by the fact that you're a priest or a Levite. You're good by the fruit, by the things that you do and show in your life. So the good Samaritan is the one who's on the inside. And now we see in in the book of Acts um, that the Samaritans have accepted the gospel. This prejudice would still have been around uh, post-resurrection against the Samaritans. But we hear that they've accepted the gospel message and they're being included in this new community that Jesus came to plant. And so Peter and John are sent to investigate because they need to verify that this is okay, that the Samaritans have indeed accepted the gospel and they're not trying to pull a fast one over this new community. And the sign of their inclusion 
is their baptism. They've been baptised because they've received a message. But the seal of what they've received is when Peter and John lay hands on them. They receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the seal that they're part of this new community and will do the things that Peter and John are doing and will continue to do in the name of Jesus. In his baptism, Jesus is inaugurating his ministry, starting his ministry. And through his baptism, he aligns with our humanity, demonstrating once and for all that those who would believe his message and put their faith and their trust in him can consider themselves insiders. And the message of Isaiah and Acts is that, that there is no exclusion in the kingdom of God based on race, based on gender, based on culture, based on power, economic status, immigration status, wealth, colour of skin, place of residence or job or who you know. There is no exclusion in the kingdom of God. The only factor that has any significance or importance in our response to Jesus is whether we accept his message and receive and open to his Holy Spirit. That's all that matters. And Jesus shows that as he is baptised. This is affirmed for me at Jesus' baptism because the heavens are opened. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus and God himself speaks. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Before Jesus has done anything, before he's publicly spoken, before he's performed any miracles, his father declares over him that he loves him. And it's love that's not earned by what he does or by what he says, but simply love that's there because Jesus is God's child. And maybe this morning, that's what we need to hear for ourselves. That we've been working for God, we've done lots in his service. But maybe all we need to hear is that we don't do that because to, to earn God's favour and God's love. We can accept the statement that God declares over his son, Jesus, for ourselves. We can hear those words for ourselves. You are my child, whom I love. With you I am well pleased just by accepting the gospel message and being open to his spirit. Jesus, of course, would have to go through another baptism of the deep waters of death, but into the light of the resurrection. And through that, he bears us in our own baptism. This story ought to take us back to that day when we were baptised, those promises that were made for us or that we made for ourselves. Maybe for some of us, it'll be our confirmation when we declared those baptism promises for ourselves. That day in our baptism, when we were made insiders into his kingdom, and at which we first received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But that reception of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit at our baptism, is not a once-for-all event. We must be daily open to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, so that we might manifest through our lives the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In our baptism, we are called by our name. Our name is significant. As Isaiah echoes in verse 1, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. We are no longer outsiders, unknown and unnamed. We are drawn into the kingdom of God through our faith in him. And baptism is a sign of our inclusion 
and the work of the Holy Spirit is a seal of that status. This year, the bishops of our diocese have set aside 2019 as a year of discipleship. I suppose every year really should be a year of discipleship. We should always focus on our discipleship. But I think that's a healthy aspiration for us as individual churches across the diocese uh, to, to get alongside. Discipleship is about growing into our baptism and developing the gifts of the Spirit. So there'll be more news coming about what a year of discipleship looks like and what that means. Uh, so do be open uh, to that. But this morning, we're reminded in Jesus' baptism of our own baptism, that because of that, we are considered insiders into the kingdom of God, no longer cast outside of his kingdom. And we daily need to be open to the work of his Holy Spirit so that we might manifest some of the fruits of his spirit. Let us pray.